This morning, uh, the message is my body, his body, and uh, I'm directing this message primarily toward, toward our singles here today. Um, I promised back in, in uh, July, I think it was, that I'd be sharing a message. Uh, if you're not single, you're married here today. Um, this is great for you as well, because you're surrounded by single people um, who uh, maybe want to honor God with their body. So tonight we have a panel discussion for our singles. Uh, we're meeting down in the uh, student auditorium tonight. We will have a popcorn bar of coffee and, and all those goodies. And uh, we are going to talk about singleness, uh, sexuality and singleness, dating, preparing for marriage, all of that good stuff. We've got a great panel tonight, a diverse panel uh, and we're going to go right to the heart of, of the, the question. So if you have any questions, you're single here, you have any questions, there is a, a question card in your bulletin. You can fill that out and you can, after service, drop it by the info center or drop it in one of our giving boxes. Or if you want to text, if you want to text your questions in, you can text your questions in this morning or text them in tonight. So uh, tonight, 630 panel discussion, be there or be married. Okay, I came across an interesting article written by Glenn McDonald, and uh, it starts out with a question. Do you have indigestion? Remember, we're talking about my body, his body. Headaches, do you have poor circulation? Do you have tuberculosis? Do you have spinal disease, epilepsy, and insanity? What's the source of all these maladies? Well, according to a celebrated Protestant minister of almost 200 years ago, it was aching sensibility or excessive excitement. Translation, people are thinking way too much about sex. That's what he thought. And what was the cure for this soul-threatening condition? Graham crackers. That at least was the conviction of Reverend Sylvester Graham, who invented a special vegetarian diet for the purpose of curbing lust. Its centerpiece was graham bread, which was concocted from whole wheat flour. Graham crackers first appeared on store shelves in 1829. I knew I liked those things for a reason. A lot of people thought Graham was onto something, and so he opened this boarding house along the East Coast where people could pursue his dietary and lifestyle regimes. Graham advocated daily toothbrushing, which was a radical idea back in the day, uh, regular exercise, bathing more frequently than once a week, and seven hours of sleep every day. Ultimately, Graham retreated from the spotlight and his movement faded. But with time, it became obvious that he had gotten a lot of things right. Modern health experts celebrate his concerns about red meat, which I don't share that concern, by the way, uh, tobacco, alcohol, sugar, and stimulants. Uh, and, there's not, and there's continuing applause for the virtues of whole wheat. But what about graham crackers? Do they really cure aching sensibility? To date, there's no empirical evidence that one of America's favorite snacks is the culinary equivalent of a cold shower. So what, if anything, does have an impact on our all-too-human struggles with sensuality? The religious default setting seems to be expressed in three words. Just say no. But most people in most generations f have, for, have found, however, that while that strategy multiplies guilt, it doesn't do much to cultivate purity. How many of you say amen to that? Deeper wisdom may found in three other words. Just say yes. Say yes to someone beyond yourself. In other words, worship God. 
Romans chapter 12, verse 1 in the New Living Translation says this. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Isn't that good? You know, many times we want to find out what kind of sexual behavior we can get away with and still be right with God. Can I be gay and be a Christian? How far is too far? These questions are honest and and they're very sincere questions. A lot of people have them, but they also are questions that reveal what's inside the heart and really who we worship. What if we asked a different question this morning? What if we asked the question, how far can I go in my worship of God with my physical body? How far can I go in my worship of God with my physical body? Romans chapter 12, verse 2, the very next verse, Paul says this. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So here's another what if question this morning, church. What if we allowed God to transform the way or transform us into a new person by changing the way we think about our bodies? How many of you know Christy's story tells us it's possible to change the way we think, amen, about our bodies? And God is helping her to do that. And she's still in process as all of us are. Romans, or Romans chapter 6, verse number 12 says this. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body, any part of your body, become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. I'm starting to like this new living translation. That last that last sentence in that verse. So use your whole body as an instrument. Your whole body. As an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. What does that look like? What does that look like in sexual terms? To give our whole body in such a way that our whole body, our sexual body, will give glory to God. Well, there was a church that we read about in the New Testament. There was this church in Corinth. It was a great church. It was a big, it was a growing church. They were excelling in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but they were not excelling in the fruit of the Spirit. They were not glorifying God with their whole body, with the sexual part of their bodies. And the Apostle Paul had to come to this church. And, well, he didn't come. He wrote this letter to this church and he addressed, he addressed what they were doing sexually and how it was not bringing glory to God. And we're going to look at that. And he said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18. He said this. He said, run from sexual sin. Run from sexual sin. No other sin is so clearly 
so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. For God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. Here was a great church doing great things in the kingdom, operating in the gifts of the spirit. And Paul had to step into this church and say, you've got to run from sexual immorality. There is a sex myth and the sex myth is this. Sex is only physical. Sex is just physical. And as no as long as nobody's getting hurt. Right. Nobody's getting pregnant. Nobody's getting an STD and everybody's in agreement. Go ahead and have as much of it as you want. Well, that was the hippie mentality of the 60s, uh, the free love, the the sexual um, liberty. Right. It was do whatever feels good without giving any or very little thought to the consequences, because after all, sex is just a physical act. But that's not what Paul just says here. In this scripture, he's making it very clear that sex affects your spirit. Sex affects your soul in a very deep way. Sex is not only physical, it's connected to your spirit and your soul. Let me ask you, why is it so difficult for a child who is sexually abused to just get over it? Why? Because it's more than physical. Why is it that rape is so much more devastating to a woman than getting beat up? Because sex is not just physical. Why is it that men with distant fathers have deep sexual issues? Why is it that people's greatest regrets are sexual? Why is it that one one of the things people are most likely to keep as a secret, right? Are there sexual regrets or abuses? Why is that? Because sex is so much more than physical. It's so much more than physical. It's spirit, soul and body. And that's why Paul says this run from sexual immorality. That word immorality in the original Greek um, is the word pornea. So it's where we get the word pornography from pornea. And that word pornea, some translators translated it fornication. You'll see that in the RSV and the King James Version. That word fornication is sex prior to marriage. But as you study that word pornea out and how often it's used in the New Testament and specifically in Paul's writings, you will find that that word pornea, sexual immorality, uh, applies to all kinds of sexual behavior outside of the context of a covenant marriage between one man and one woman. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and in, in, verse, in chapter 6, just in those two chapters alone, he gives three specific instances of what sexual immorality is. One is fornication. One is adultery. One is incest. There was a, a brother in the church who called himself a brother, a Christian, in the church who was having sex with his father's wife. Incest. He addresses homosexuality in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Very specifically. A man having sex with another man. Sexual immorality. And then he goes on to say this in chapter 5. And you can read it. He goes, he goes, none of those people will inherit the kingdom of God. And then he says something encouraging to me this morning. 
And such were some of you. He says, and that's what you were. He says, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of the living God. Such were some of you. Some of you this morning go, well, that's that's still who I am. My identity is still in in my same gender attraction or my identity is still in 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 my sexuality. And maybe maybe you're fooling around. You're not married, right? You're like, well, I'm still stuck there. Well, I've got good news for you. God can set you free from that today. He can set you free from that today. And he can save you and he can wash you. And he can give you the power to live a godly life. A power to worship God with your body. I'm so glad for that this morning. So that's the sexual part of of the message. Everybody go, glad that's over. Now I want to talk to singles about finding a spouse. Finding a spouse, okay? And maybe we'll touch on this more tonight in the Q&A. And I'm not going to be the guy with all the answers. I'm just facilitating. I'm facilitating the discussion tonight. Andy Stanley um, preached a great message about finding a spouse. And he tells this story about this young lady who grew up. And she grew up in a religious home. She read the Bible. She went to church. She, she knew all the answers. Um, she was a principled person growing up and uh, and then she graduated high school and she went off to college and she graduated college. She moved back to Atlanta, Georgia, and she began to live the um, the, uh, the 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 single life out there in Atlanta, Georgia. And she was very much a part of the the single dating culture. And she said, it's not that I didn't stop believing what I grew up believing. It's just that I put it on the back burner. And in her dating and her relationships with guys, uh, she wasn't factoring in her upbringing anymore and, and what she learned at church. And so now she's living the life. She's having fun and she's not giving much thought to it. And uh, she's not honoring God with her body. And now she is living with those regrets. She told the story about how she went to this gathering where she was meeting people that she didn't know. And she met this guy at this social gathering. This is when she was living her wild lifestyle. She met this guy at this party. And and she said she met this guy and he was an incredible guy. He he had um, he had this this character about him and he um, he had a great career, a great job. Ladies, how many of you know that's kind of important, right? And and he was a Christian. And he was openly talking about how he was a Christian and how he lived out his values and his career and all of this. And and this girl, she's sitting, this young adult lady, she's sitting listening to this going, oh, my goodness, I think I found the guy. And she just could not stop thinking about this guy, this guy, this guy. He was handsome. He was good. Look, all of this. And she went home that night thinking, I have found the guy. She went home that weekend and, and, and to go visit her mom. And she began to tell her mom all about this guy. God, mom, I met this guy. And she starts just going on about it. He's handsome. He's got a great job. And he loves God. He's a man of, of values. And her mother pulled her aside and said, sweetheart. She goes, the problem is a guy like that is not looking for a girl like you. And she fell to the ground literally and just began to sob and this puddle of tears. And she began to cry because she knew her mom was right. She knew that a guy like that 
was not looking for a girl like her. And that moment in her life was was the life-changing moment for her as a single adult. In that moment, she decided, my life has to change. I have to begin honoring God with my body. At that day, she said, my priorities, my values, my friendships, they have to change. Let me ask you a question this morning. If you're single, you may want to write this down. Are you the person who you are looking for is looking for? Are you the person who you are looking for is looking for? Are you being intentional? Are you leading yourself? Are you becoming the person who you are looking for is looking for? You see, the Bible doesn't give us a lot of direction on finding the right person. But it gives us a lot of direction on becoming the right person, doesn't it? In Genesis 24, there is a story about how Abraham's servant went looking for a wife for Isaac. So the servant is sent to Abraham's home country. This servant knows nothing about this country, this culture. So he's like this foreigner in a land, in a country he doesn't know. He doesn't know the language. He doesn't know the culture. He doesn't know anything. And he's been given this assignment by his, by his boss to go find a wife for his son. That's a big, daunting task. How in the world am I going to find a wife for my master's son? He goes, you know what? I know what I'll do. I'll pray. And so the Bible says that when he got to the land, he sat down at the community well and he began to pray. And he says, God, show me the wife for Isaac. God, may it be the may it be the woman who gives me a drink from this well and who feeds all of my camels, too. And he had 10 camels. The dude was loaded for game. You know, he was ready. And so he prays. And even before he stops praying, here comes Rebecca. To the community well. And he says. Ma'am. Would you give me a drink of water? And she gladly gave him a drink of water. And then she did something unexpected. She, she offered to feed, to water all of his camels too. Which was a big deal. Because camels can drink up to 30 gallons of water in 13 minutes. I know. I timed it once. <laughs> right? So 10 camels times 30 gallons. 300 gallons of water. It's at the end of the day, moving into the evening. And she takes the time and she waters all of his camels too. An unbelievable amount of unselfishness on her part. And it was just the sign needed to convince the servant that this was the wife for his, for his master's son, Isaac. If she would serve a foreigner in this way. Right. How much more her own household. She had character. She had work ethic. She was unselfish. She became the person who she was looking for was looking for. So the question for you singles here today, are you the person who you are looking for is looking for? If you were to meet the person of your dreams, would you be the person of their dreams as well? So here's an idea. What if instead of making a list of 10 things that you are looking for in a future mate, you make a list of 10 things your future mate is looking for in you? What 10 things do you want to become? 
And 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is a great list of things to become. And by the way, you could be married and still working on that list. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not boast. Love does not keep any record of wrongs. Love is not easily angered. Here's a great list, singles. I bet you the person who's looking for you, right, could be looking for the things on that list. Hard to believe they're looking for somebody who's quickly quickly angered. Oh, I want to meet somebody who's just got a hot temper. Oh, God, send a hot-tempered one to me, you know. I want somebody who just covets everything they they lay their eyes on. I I want somebody who has no self-control and they get their hands all over me, right? I mean, that's what we pray. Don't we, singles? Come on. See, that's not what people are looking for. They're looking for somebody with self-control and self-respect. Are you with me? Somebody who's unselfish. Become the person who you are looking for, is looking for. You know, many, many times I run into people who think, you know, and single people in who who think they can pig out on pornography because when they get married, married sex is going to fix their lust problem. Right. When they get married, that spouse is going to meet all of those sexual desires and needs. Right. How many of you know that's that's impossible? Huh? How many of you know that those are unrealistic expectations to put on anybody? Right. But no, I'll deal with that. Marriage will fix my lust problem. Can I tell you, marriage does not fix lust. If you have a lust problem before you're married, you'll have one after. If you have an anger problem before, you'll have one after. If you have a self-control problem before, you'll have one after. Okay, marriage doesn't fix problems. It simply magnifies those problems. You know, I've never talked to a couple that had a marriage problem. But I've talked to many people who have problems who got married. You understand? So what do we do about this? I want to give you some advice if you're single here. Three things as we close this message. Three pieces of advice. And they all start with D. Number one, dream. Number two, discipline. And number three, decide. First, dream. Dream. The story you want to be able to tell your future mate. Dream the story you want to be able to tell your future mate. You want to be able to tell the story. Maybe this is the story you want to dream. And your dream is this. I was living a wild and crazy life. I was not honoring God with my sexuality. I was not honoring God in my relationships. But I came to church on October 30th. 2016. And I met God that day at church. And I met God in such a way that I said, you know what? Because God of what you have done for me, I'm going to give my body to you for the rest of my days. And on that day, I decided I am I am going to honor God in my relationships. I'm going to honor God with my body and I'm going to prepare myself for the one God has for me. I'm going to save myself for the one God has for me. That could be your dream. That could be your story. You could say, you know what? I can't fix what happened back here. But from this moment on, I am going to dream the story and live the story that I want to tell not only my future mate, but my children and my grandchildren. Dream the story. 
The second thing that you need to do, or I would encourage you to do, is this. Discipline yourself. Discipline yourself to become the person who you are looking for is looking for. Discipline yourself. Well, pastor, I just am not a very disciplined person. I disagree. You just haven't found something you want bad enough to go after it. See, when you have a dream that you can't let go of, let me tell you, you'll have the discipline to go after it. Don't tell me you have no discipline. You can tell me you don't have a dream, but don't tell me you don't have any discipline. Because a person with a a dream has the ability to discipline themselves to go after it. Discipline yourself. Prepare. Prepare for that future. Prepare yourself. Become that, that 1 Corinthians 13 person. Don't skip the discipline stage. Many people, they try to promise their way out of preparation, right? I met this guy and he's amazing. He's everything. And he like makes these amazing promises to me. And and he says to me things like, you know what? Don't worry about my past. And, you know, it doesn't really matter. My past is irrelevant. And the path I've been on is irrelevant. And I promise you it will be different this time. And listen to me. People promise their way out of preparation all the time. They make these promises they can't keep. See, you can have a you can have all kinds of promises, but if you don't prepare, let me tell you, you can't keep those promises. So, ladies and gentlemen, find a person who's preparing. Find a person with some discipline. Find a person who's becoming the person who they are looking for is looking for. Discipline yourself. And here's the deal. If you make a commitment to prepare for marriage, you are highly unlikely to marry someone who's not also doing the same. If you prepare for marriage, right, you discipline yourself. You prepare for marriage. It's highly unlikely you're going to find somebody or marry someone who's not doing the same because you're going to be going in a direction Right. And that direction is I'm going after God with my heart, soul, mind and strength. I'm going after God. Right. And if you meet somebody who does not have the same passion, does not have the same dream game over. Right. They're going to look at you and go, man, I don't know about that. I want to live a little for myself. And she's like, well, I want to live for God. It's not going to happen. Bible says don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Why? Because you can't be equally yoked with unbelievers. So here's a story. Carrie and I, when when I, I did not go looking for Carrie, she went looking for me. No, not really. <laughs> I did not go looking for Carrie. I was looking for God. I was pursuing God, not a relationship. And Carrie was pursuing God, not a relationship. We were both pursuing God. And one day we're pursuing God and we look at each other and we say, hey, let's pursue God together. And so for the last 24 years, we've been pursuing God together. Not awesome. I feel a little weird this morning because I'm not wearing my wedding band. And I'll tell you why, if you've noticed. Um, my son came to me last night. He goes, Dad, I'm going to a party tonight and I'm dressed up like so-and-so. And they're married and they have a ring. Can I borrow your ring? I said, sure. I pulled it off and I gave him my ring. Hopefully he still has it. I uh, didn't lose it. So uh, th- that's the reason. I am, I am committed here this morning. I just want you to know that I just don't have the ring to prove it. Okay. Are we having fun yet? 
Okay, so uh, dream. Dream the story you want to be able to tell your future mates. Discipline yourself to become who you are looking for, is looking for. And finally, decide. Decide ahead of time what honoring God with your body looks like. Decide ahead of time what honoring God with your body look like, looks like. It's called a body budget. A body budget, right? A budget is simply deciding ahead of time what you're going to do with what you have. And every single person needs a body budget. How will I spend my body? What will I spend my body on? Can I tell you something? Listen, giving up something now for something better later is not sacrifice. It's an investment. Investment. It's an investment in that future relationship. Decide ahead of time how you're going to spend your body. Ladies, don't dress like a commodity and don't and don't put up with being treated like one. A commodity is something of value that you use for a period of time and then you trade it in for another commodity. How many of you know that in our culture, women are treated like a commodity? Take me, use me, trade me in for another. Women, do not allow yourselves to be treated like a commodity and don't dress like a commodity. Don't dress like you're up for sale, right? Listen, if he dated you like a commodity, he will he will treat you like one when you're married. Okay. Think about this for a minute. How does a fisherman determine what bait to, to use on his hook? How does a fisherman determine what to bait his hook with? Well, it depends on what you're fishing for. Ladies, if you're fishing with your body, you will catch body snatchers every time. Right? You will catch body snatchers every time. And ladies will sometimes say, well, all men are alike. All they care about is this. No, all the men you date are alike. Okay? See? Think about this for a minute. Guy number one. Right. You go out with guy number one, you and guy number one, you and guy number two, you and guy number three. What's the common denominator? You. Okay. And the guys that are inviting you out on dates. They're all the same, too. Could it be that you're fishing with your body? Just saying. What if you went? What if you went trolling, fishing, instead of trolling with your body, you went trolling with with your love for Jesus? What if that was what you put out there for advertisement, your passion for Jesus? What if you went trolling with your mind? What if you went trolling with your values? What would you attract? You'd attract guys who value that as well. Now, I'm not picking on ladies here today. I'm not. I'm encouraging you all. I want to encourage you to come out tonight and join us at our uh, panel discussion. We're going to dive into some of these things even more and, and get, get very, very practical. Ladies, I want you to know this. You are so much more than a body. You are so much more than a body. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You have so much more to offer than a body. God loves you so much. I want, I want to do this this morning. Um, some of you are single here today and, and you're, you're happy with your singleness and you don't desire to be married. 
And that's a gift, the Bible says. Paul called that a gift. Others of you, you desire to be married. And that's a God thing too. God gives you that desire to be married. Here's what I want to do. I want to pray for all of those of you who are single today. And so I'm going to ask everyone who is single to just stand to your feet right where you're at. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. Just stand right where you're at. And I just want to pray for our singles today. Can we do that? Can we do that, church? I love this. Let's put our hands together for our singles today. Awesome. God, I thank you for the gift of singleness. You've given that to some and others. God, you have put the desire in their heart to be married. You've put that there too. I pray for both today, God, that all of us, singles and married, all of us would learn to honor God with our bodies. God, we acknowledge this morning that my body is your body and it's to be spent, God, the way you want it to be spent. God, from this day forward, God, help us by the power of the Holy Spirit to honor you with our bodies, to honor you in our singleness, God. God, help us, God, to dream the dream and discipline ourselves to go after that dream. God, I just pray for some massive encouragement right now for our singles massive encouragement. God, I pray that you would just be so close to every single person today. You'd become so real to every single person today. And God, I pray that you would bring amazing friendships and relationships and fiancés and wives and husbands to those who are single today. God, I pray that that we, the body of Christ, married and single, would embrace one another, would love one another, would meet each other's needs. God, thank you for all of our singles here today. God, I pray you would bless them and cause them to be a blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 One more time. We love you guys. Awesome. Awesome. Come back tonight. 6.30 p.m. student auditorium for our panel discussion. Uh, I'm going to invite our prayer workers to come today. If you're here today and you know that you are far from God, you have the opportunity today to draw near to Him. And the way you draw near to God is by pray, by praying a simple prayer. God, I want to draw near to you. I want to leave my sins behind me and I want to draw near to you. God, I need to be restored to right relationship. God will forgive you. God will restore you. God will make you the new person that he desires you to be. If you'd like prayer to be healed today or anything else, please allow our prayer workers to pray for you. Amen. Everybody stand to your feet if you would. Now, God, everybody bless us today and cause us to be a blessing in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed. Thank you.